Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 101 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is January 20th. 2010, and we got an exciting show for you this week on the podcast. We're going to talk all about the reaction to the hiring of Lane Kiffin. Now that the dust has settled a little bit, what's been going on? We're going to talk with uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, Dan Weike. We'll also talk some recruiting. If you have any questions or comments, you can always drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. And I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com, for this segment of the show when we talk to Coach Harvey Hyde, one 800 888-7287 is their phone number if you need tickets for anything. Concerts, sporting events, theater, all that kind of stuff. Give 1-800-888-7287 a call. SCTickets.com. That's where you want to go. And, of course, we are joined in the first segment. Coach Harvey Hyde. Coach, how you doing? Buddy, I'm doing pretty good. I'd say we're into the off-season, but really not the off-season because recruiting is really exciting for me, and I know it is for all of our football fans out there, not just Trojan fans, but everyone's looking to see what the future is going to look like for every recruiting class throughout the country. And there's nothing like uh, signing day when all the names start to pop up on the screen and you start to listen to the radio and you listen to the coaches at the end of the day when they can finally talk about their recruits after they've signed, they can start to evaluate and talk about their recruits and so on. And I think it's just exciting. You know, when I was a coach, Ryan, one thing I liked the most about coaching was recruiting. I just loved recruiting. I loved meeting people. I loved getting on high school campuses or junior college campuses and talking to different kids and, and all of that. And I think it's a, it's a challenging period of uh, letting someone know why your, your university is good for them. And, uh, uh, and, I, and it's the future of every football program, too, both uh, how you're going to be in four years. You can't really afford to have a bad recruiting class. It's the same thing that you hear in the NFL if you have a bad draft choice, that's a number one draft choice, how that's going to kill you for so many years. Well, you know, in college football, you get 25 first-round draft choices. So you try to get 25 great players. Maybe they aren't all great players, but as many five stars as you can, four stars, three stars, and so on. You want it to be a recruiting class that is going to really mature and be a great uh, senior class for you as long as a lot of players also playing early. Yeah, well, two weeks, Coach. Two weeks until signing day. This is kind of like Christmas for the uh, college football recruiting fans. So much going on, and uh, we've switched gears. If if you've been checking out uscfootball.com, and we had a lot of stuff on the coaching search, obviously, and we still will as they try to fill out their staff, But uh, as Lane Kiffin tries to fill out his staff. But, man, we've just been pounding out the recruiting articles, guys coming in for visits. There was a ton of visitors and unofficial visitors over the weekend so we've had i think we have interviews with every one of them up on the site and there'll be some more coming in this weekend we just keep getting updates talking about what's going on in recruiting and that's uh it's going to be really crazy up until signing day and even after signing day the class of 2011 is already getting started so you get you get working on that that'll be a big priority for lane kiffin and his staff so it's a it's a big deal I mean, i'm glad you like the recruiting I mean, there's so many fans of recruiting out there it's hard to tell if the coaches really get into it or not because it's got to be a real time drain for you guys. It is. You know, there's a lot of coaches that like to recruit, and there's a lot of coaches that don't like to recruit. Now, Pete Carroll was one that loved to recruit. In fact, he was upset, uh, along with Urban Meyer, that you couldn't recruit in the spring. That means the head coach, after signing date, after spring practice. You know, he liked to get out and meet people and evaluate people and get in the communities and travel around the country representing USC and the football program. A lot of coaches, and you know, the head coaches voted it out. They said, no, head coaches shouldn't be on the road in the spring. And, you know, that just shows that there's more lazy coaches than there are coaches that really want to get out and work. Uh, They'd rather play golf or do something else than get out and represent your school and get out and get that extra edge as far as in the recruiting battles. If you're a great recruiter, you don't ever want to give up anybody to anybody, and you want to get out there and match yours, 
your wit against anybody's wit. And uh, there's some guys that just don't feel like uh, they want to do that. So now you can't do that in the spring. And uh, I think it, I don't know if it hurts uh, college coaching because really, or, or athletics, because everyone can't go out. But I think it's a PR uh, part of football. When you go to all the schools or many schools, even if they don't have athletes, I used to stop by, I'd be with one of my assistant coaches, and I'd say, what school is that? And he'd say, oh, that's Roland Hills. And I'd say, whip off, turn in there. And he'd say, well, coach, we, we really don't have time. We don't have any recruits there. i said, I want to go in there anyway. Someday they will. And we'd go in there, and I'd walk in the principal's office and introduce ourselves, and she would get all excited or he would get excited and, of course, call the coach up to the office. And we'd, let, we'd make a presence. We'd say, we're here. We just want you to know that, you know, this year we're not recruiting any of your athletes, but in the future we'd certainly like to, you know, be here and be accounted for when you don't have a player. And, and I think that really works that way. And, I, and I, I, that's just the way I was. A lot of people don't do it that way, but I did it. Now the you talked about Pete Carroll and that's one of the things he's going to miss. That was interesting. I mean, it, it was an interesting thought for me. What do you think he is going to miss going from the college to the NFL? We've heard a lot of stuff about that the actual the college head coach or the the college head coaches pretty much have to work year round because of the recruiting aspect, and you get a little bit more time off. It's very intense during the season and training camp and all that stuff, but during the off season. Since you're not running every aspect of the program, there's a general manager, there's president, vice presidents, all that kind of stuff. It seems like the the NFL head coaches, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, but the, from what I've been told, get a little bit more time off. But what do you what do you think about that transition and what he's going to miss the most about the college game? Well, you know, first of all, they don't have a lot of time off, Ryan. I want you to know they work uh, just as hard. They evaluate players right now. They go to the combine. They meet all the players. They sit in and drafting and put their list together after the draft, and they have to get the players signed. Then they have mini camps all through the off season. Normally they have the month of, of June off, depending on the philosophy of the head coach. Then they come back to camp, and they really go long season, and it's a, a, a lot of work. It used to be that way in, in the NFL, but it isn't anymore. You work long hours. 12 months of the year, and there's always a lot of activities, a lot of breaking down. You've got to put your playbooks together. You've got to talk about practice schedules. You've got to talk about players you want to trade. You've got to talk about free agency. You've got to talk about uh, evaluate every player on the team since uh, Pete Carroll's coming in. He's got to look at all the players, the coaches, and how you're going to do practice schedules. You know, it, it, there's a lot to talk about in I think uh, he'll take the same program he did at SC. Why? Because he was a, a success at it. You don't change something you're successful at. I'll tell you, the worst thing that happens to head coaches is when they go somewhere and they change. You can't change. What got you there is what you've got to stay with. And one thing I think he'll miss from college coaching is I think he'll, he'll miss the atmosphere in L.A. of where he could go anywhere and everyone recognize it. Not that they won't in Seattle, but the community is so much larger. And I think that uh, everyone realized this. He couldn't pay for a meal in L.A. No matter what restaurant he walked into, he was a comp. He couldn't get a parking ticket in L.A. He couldn't get a speeding ticket in L.A. I mean, uh, a lot of that is different in other communities. When you're an NFL coach, people look at you like, hey, we're paying you $7 million a year. We're paying $250,000 for our executive suite box. And so on. You're supposed to entertain us. You're supposed to do this. All of that raw, raw stuff doesn't do it here. We want you to just get it done. And uh, and a lot of the personalities of NFL coaches, and and I'm not trying to criticize any of them, but when you watch them, Wade Phillips, Bill Belichick, a lot of these guys show no emotion at all uh, during the game on the sideline uh, when they do their press conference and so on. And that's different than Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's upbeat all the time and so on. So he'll be a little different in the NFL than most of the NFL coaches. So, uh, But I think he'll miss the kids because kids play for the love of their coach and their university. In the NFL, it's a business. I mean, the players want to know how you can make them better, how you can keep, in the, keep them on, in the NFL longer so they can keep making the big money. Uh, you know, you have a lot of pouting, and then you have to do fining and all the different things that go along with coaching in the NFL. I think he'll miss the the enthusiasm of young kids or them getting better and projecting players. In the NFL, it's all cut and dry. It's a business. 
Certainly is, Coach. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch what Pete Carroll does, that transition from the college to the NFL game. Uh, people look back to his records at New England and the Jets, and obviously he's a different coach now. He's got nine years of experience of winning uh, at the college level. So everyone, I think USC fans, they love watching former players. I don't know if there's going to be I mean, there's gonna, I don't know if there'll be a lot of Seattle fans, but there'll be a lot of interested parties from the USC family that is going to watch Seattle. And I'm sure a lot of people will be cheering for Pete Carroll, but it'll be definitely interesting to see how he does. But, Coach, one of the interesting things that's been going on lately, and I think we've both experienced this, is the after the hiring of, of Lane Kiffin about a week or so ago, the reaction from fans. And uh, I get a lot of questions, a lot of emails, text messages, people calling up. What do you think? What do you think? Have you been getting that as well, people just trying to find out what you think of this whole thing? Yeah, I do. Uh, a lot of times I run into people, and the first thing they say is, hey, what do you think of the new coach, coach, at USC? And I say, what do you mean, what do I think? And they say, well, you think it was a good hire and not a good hire. And uh, the, a lot of people are confused over the hiring. Now, me, myself, uh, I'm not confused over the hiring. I think it is a great hire. For all of you Trojan fans that are out there, you might disagree with me. That's fine. This is just my opinion. First of all, you're bringing a coach that wants to be at SC. He wants to be at USC. I think that's really important when someone wants to be at a school and give up a great job like Tennessee to come to USC. He's been there. The players know him. He knows the landscape. If he gets on the 405 freeway, he knows how to find San Pedro High School. I mean, you bring in a coach from a lot of areas. They don't know how to find San Pedro High School. And not only that, uh, most of the alumni recognize him and know his name. And he'll know a lot of the alumni and a lot of people on campus and so on from the past when he was there. And a lot of people got to remember this. You know, he's been a head coach in the NFL. He's been a head coach at Tennessee. He was a young coach at USC when he was there. He grows up. He's grown up. Yeah, I mean, uh, When you're coaching and you're in the uh, element that he was with the Raiders and Tennessee and the pressures that you're under and so on, you grow up in a hurry. He knew he wanted to be at USC. And I'll tell you, it's amazing how all the media uh, and myself was saying, oh, it's going to be this guy, or it's going to be that guy, or I think it should be Harbaugh, or I think it should be Riley, or I think it should be Del Rio. Everybody was saying this. And all along, no one, no one thought of Lane Kiffin. No one. I never saw his name in any article. And maybe someone out there thought of it, but I didn't think of it. And when it was announced, and at the same time they announced Orgeron was coming back, and Monty Kiffin was coming, the defensive coordinator, at that time they had said, and it was all hearsay, obviously, that Norm Chow was coming. I said, oh, my gosh. I mean, man, this is, the most, this is one of the strongest hirings I've ever heard of as far as college football is concerned. Because in most cases, if you're a head coach, your job is limited as far as coaching. Your job is really PRing, press conferences, recruiting, uh, alumni meetings, uh, staff meetings, all the things that surround football. You've got to have confidence in your coordinators and your assistant coaches. So when you're gone, you know everything at home is okay. And he's got this type of staff. Now, Norm Chow did not come, and Norm said he wasn't contacted really. That was a Mike Garrett wanting him to hire Norm Chow, but again, Mike Garrett didn't force him to hire Norm Chow, and I think that's what's great about Mike Garrett. Mike Garrett gives you everything to win, and he certainly has given Lane Kiffin this opportunity. They're still trying to fill their staff out. They're not sure who's going to be where, but already not even mentioning the coaches that will be a part of the new USC staff, the Orgeron edition, Monty Kiffin edition, along with Lane Kiffin, and whoever fills that out, it's just a great staff, and it's going to be a great hire. Already Kyle Prater is enrolled at school, and uh, that means that uh, one of the top, well, one poll has him as the fourth best player in America, and he's already in school. So things are turning. All of the commits that we're thinking about going somewhere else have recommitted. And if they haven't, if you don't want a Trojan, if you don't want to be a Trojan, I used to say, then don't be a Trojan. I used to always say that when I was recruiting, you want to be a rebel, and you know you do it. If a guy says, I don't really want to be a rebel, I said, that's fine. Then you should go somewhere else, somewhere that's better for you. So, you know, uh, he will bring in his players. He will do a great job. He's grown up. He'll be more mature. 
they always tag him with all of these negative things. I think the press was really hard on him at his press conference as far as uh, his children were there and his wife was there. And instead of saying, welcome to Southern California, welcome home, it was more or less uh, uh, a negative approach. Ryan, I was not there, but what I saw on the um, reports and what I saw on television and listened to, uh, you know, it was more or less uh, hitting him on violations and this and that and so on, which is a, a negative approach. And I don't, I don't like that type of welcome. Certainly, everyone was aware of all of those things. It's not headline news. I mean, why? Is that a headline news when you have a new coach in Southern California? You think it was, uh, I think it was a little bush, let me put it that way, <laughs> as far as of the way that the media welcomed him to Southern California. Little Bush League coach, that's right. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people felt that, the way he got kind of berated a little bit. I actually wrote an article this week, a little column piece about how he's been kind of unfairly criticized in the media and stuff. So if you can check that out on uscfootball.com. And, Coach, you mentioned recruiting, and, and he's really done a good job of kind of calming the nerves of a lot of the guys that were committed. Uh, Kyle Prater was certainly – on the fence and was shaken up uh, Dylan Baxter, the superstar from San Diego that could play running back or receiver or play some quarterback. He could do some wildcat stuff for USC. He looks like he's going to be enrolling now. He said he will come and enroll, but there was guys that were on the fence and Pete Carroll, I mean, uh, Lane Kiffin, sorry. Uh, I'm sure I'll say that a few times in the, over the next few weeks. Um, got his, you know, small staff together and, and really got these guys to stay on. And uh, there's some, there's a mixture in Heritage Hall right now of people from the old regime and people from the new regime. No, you know, major permanent hires have been have been made yet after those that initial surge of uh, you know Monty Kiffin and Ed Orgeron. What do you think the impact on recruiting is? Obviously, it hasn't been too bad so far, but maybe going forward, Lane Kiffin said he's going to take his time, and uh, that could mean some of these coaches aren't even hired until after signing day uh i don't know if there's a if that's a calculated risk or i mean maybe there's some of the old staff that stays on that the players liked and then they they get let go after signing day i mean i'm no one really knows what's going on but lane kiffin certainly made it clear that he will take his time what do you think of that approach to hiring the staff i think it's smart because you know he's he knows the coaches that are there he was there with rocky seto and he was there with some of the other coaches so you know he's evaluating everyone and I tell you, if I was uh, one of the coaches from Pete Carroll's staff that was still there, I'd work my you-know-what off to make sure I impress Lane Kiffin. So I think he'll get a great effort from the coaches that know that they're in that evaluation period. And I think it's smart that he goes out and gets the top coaches to add to his staff that he's already named. Will it affect recruiting? Somewhat possibly. If, uh, if a coach that coaches your position really hasn't been defined who it's going to be, but I think that you can overcome that by saying it will be someone on the level of what you deserve to have working with you. That's why I'm taking my time to find the best receiver coach or the best running back coach or best offensive line coach. I don't know, secondary coach. I don't know what he hasn't hired or who he's going after. All I do is read the paper, and uh, those people are speculating too, as I am right now. So I, I think uh, he'll have a great recruiting year. I really do believe that because – now, first of all, the kids on campus, and you're on campus and you know this, and a lot of people don't see this or hear this, and the media doesn't write about it much, but they are excited about the hire. And I think people should talk about that. They are excited about having Coach O back. And, of course, uh, the credentials of Monty Kiffin, I mean, how can you – I mean, uh, Pete Carroll was a disciple of his. I mean, with his knowledge, and, and Lane being a young, enthusiastic guy, he said that it was no, no, you know, he knew that this is where he wanted to be. And like I said earlier, you want a guy that, he says, he says he's coming home, his kids were born here. When you recruit, you tell your recruits that, hey, I've been everywhere, and this is the place I want to be. So if I want to be here, you should consider it too. You were born here. Of course, if you're recruiting a Southern California kid, you want to say that. If you plan on living here after you graduate from college, then you should stay here and make your name here and meet the people here. You know, now if you're planning on living in Laramie, Wyoming, you should go to Laramie because you want to make your name there. But if you have a chance to, to make a name in Southern California where you were born and people recognize you and you have an opportunity to get a great education 
why not become a Trojan? And I think that's the enthusiasm that I would believe Coach O and the coaches that are there and Coach Kiffin will use. At least that's what I assume, but that's what I would use. Makes sense, Coach. And anyone out there in Laramie, Wyoming, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, anywhere in Wyoming. If you're listening no, to No, I told them. If yeah. you want to live there, then they should go there, right? <laughs> well, I think that we might have some listeners in Wyoming. I just want to see if they're going to give them a shout-out and they could uh, drop us an email. So if you're that's in Wyoming. Right. I love all of you up there, except <laughs> I don't want to live there. No, that's all right. I've never been to Wyoming. I think it would be interesting to uh, check it's it nice out. I hear it's beautiful. It's really nice in the winter. Did you have to do any recruiting trips up to Wyoming? No, no, I didn't. Uh, we, we really didn't recruit that state. Oh, okay. All right. Well, okay, so we talked about the staff. You know, it could, you know it'll be a little slow to fill it out, but I think uh, USC fans will be happy. They're really going to do their due diligence, trying to get the best staff possible put in place, and they obviously have a great foundation already with Orgeron and Monty Kiffin. Um, the Norm Chow thing you mentioned before, and, uh, you know, they tried to get that done. It didn't happen. I mean, who knows? I guess it could still perceivably there's a small chance or something it could, but it doesn't look like it will happen. That was kind of part of the initial reaction that people had. When we talked to people, even the Lane Kiffin kind of haters, there was, there's definitely some people out there, USC fans that didn't like Lane Kiffin. The, the Norm Chow talk, I think kind of won a lot of those people over, but then, you know, I, I don't know if it, it's, it's maintained that because now it doesn't look like Norm Chow is going to, join the staff but it's for the most part it seemed to be even though it was only temporary it seemed to buy lane kiffin some time i mean do you think it's a big deal that norm chow isn't coming um does that make the staff less impressive uh, in your mind well name recognition wise norm chow's got a great name he's a great guy he's just a superhuman being and i think he probably thought in his mind and i don't think he's going to usc I think in his mind, he said, you know, we've got a young coach here in Lane Kiffin. I mean, I'm going to want to call the plays. I'm going to want to run the offense. And I'm not sure Lane wants to give it up yet. And, and I really believe that he says, you know, I'd, I'm better off to stay at UCLA and do what I'm doing over here. And, of course, he got an out of, a nice raise out of it, which was he should send a little thank you card to Lane and the media for that, that I should stay here and let Lane run his offense uh, the way he wants to put it together. I think he's that type of individual that says it's better for me to stay here than to go to USC because I don't think Lane is really ready to give it up, and he has some great loyalties, and he's a great guy, and UCLA has been his home the last couple of years, and right now he's part of that rebuilding program over there. And, you know, it's not like they're miles apart. You know, it's not like he is currently in somewhere else like Colorado and he wanted to come back to his home. He can, he can commute to either school. They're both about equal distance. So it wasn't like it had to be a move like you're moving back to Southern California or already in Southern California. And uh, I think that he, he made he's making good money over there. I think the UCLA boosters got together and added up money for him, and he was happy, and he's got his program going. And I think he thought, and probably, probably, you know, as far as with Lane and so on, to have someone looking over your shoulder or him looking over Norm's shoulder, it might be better overall for the staff. That makes sense, Coach. And uh, there are some people that were kind of critical of Lane Kiffin's play calling, and they they talk about that fourth and two play. Uh, Yeah, but you remember, he was a kid then. No, yeah, he's definitely grown up. And if you looked at him last year. Yeah, but last year – I, I went to a couple of Tennessee games over the last two years because my fiance is from Tennessee. So we'd go back on bye weeks. And when I went two years ago and they got the floor wiped with them, you know, they just got killed by Florida, just absolutely destroyed. And Jonathan Crompton was their junior quarterback. They could not say enough bad things about him, how he was a bum. He was terrible. There's no way he, he how could he be the Tennessee quarterback? And I looked at that. And I'm like, I don't think he's that bad. I mean, the only, the offense was terrible. The only time they threw the ball was like third and 15. I'm like, yeah, no quarterback's going to succeed in that kind of a situation. Like, they just never put him in a good spot. And then I went to the US, uh, the Tennessee-Georgia game uh, this year, or 2009 now, the last year, and, man, it was a whole different story. It looked a lot like the USC offense. They were rolling them out. They were throwing to the running backs. They were putting the ball over the field. He had... I think four touchdown passes over 300 yards. And I'm like, that's the same quarterback, you know, and, and what's the difference? It was Lane Kiffin's offense coming in there. He really put Jonathan Crompton in a position to succeed. And they made that offense a lot better 
from the previous season. So I, I, I think Lane Kiffin has a good offensive mind, and I think that you know if people give him a chance. He, who knows? He still may hire an offensive coordinator that's going to run the show. He said he would like to call the plays. That's what he normally does. But he didn't say specifically, I am for sure. You know, I think if Norm Chow came, Norm Chow probably would have been calling the plays. So if they get like a kind of a quarterback coach, then yeah, Lane Kiffin will call the plays. But if they get like, a, you know, a big name offensive coordinator, that might not be the case. But yeah, I, I think Lane Kiffin did grow up a lot. And I think the Tennessee fans saw that. That's probably part of the reason they were upset. Their offense did get a lot better under Lane Kiffin. It was better than USC's offense last year at <laughs> Tennessee. Hey, people forget, too, that they lost on the last play of the game to the national champions, Alabama, okay, on a block field goal. People forget that they played Florida to a great football game. So they went 7-6 and six last year, losing their bowl game to Virginia Tech. But he was turning that program around, and he's learning every year. And he had a great recruiting class coming in. By some polls, he was ranked as high as sixth in the country with the Tennessee uh, recruiting uh, class of this past year, or this new year. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, I'm not really concerned. But as far as him bringing his enthusiasm, the, the I, and I really think this guy, uh, Ryan, I really think it's important that your current players are excited. Because that's the majority of your team. And you're on campus, and you didn't comment on this, but they're all excited about him coming back and the staff that he's bringing. And I think it, that brings a lot of, a lot of excitement. They're not because when you lose a coach like Pete Carroll, it's a downer. And now I think it's back up, and it's not a downer anymore. Yes, he's not Pete Carroll, but his staff makes up the difference that he's bringing in. Certainly, Coach, and we've seen that. And I'm sorry I didn't comment on it. That's definitely the reaction we got from all the players. I think, you know, you want to be enthusiastic about stuff and players want to try to look at a glass half full type of situation. Certainly they were bummed out about Pete Carroll leaving. He was a very popular coach, but I think the excitement level from Lane Kiffin coming in, uh, you know, I think it was uh, genuine, you know, they were really enthusiastic about it. Um, you could see it in their faces when you talk to them about things, it's just kind of a, a new change. I mean, Pete Carroll's been around forever, you know, nine years. It's a long run. He had a great run at USC. It's almost like sometimes you want to see something different come along and, I think they were happy with what came down with Lane Kiffin and the way when he met the players, they seemed to really gravitate towards him. So we'll see what, uh, if he can keep their attention and uh, get them going. But one last thing, Coach, I wanted to talk about. We're, you talk about the play calling and who would do it. How does that work? I don't know, you know how your offensive coordinators work. How does it work when you have a couple different minds on an offensive staff? And it seems like more people are into the, the game planning part, which is probably even more important than the actual who's calling the play at the specific time, but how does that all work out? Well, it's, it's different on the different levels and the different staffs you have and so on. When I was at UNLV, my, my final years, or my, all my time I was at UNLV, I had coordinators. I had an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and I was a part of putting the offense and defense together. I was always aware of what we were structuring. But the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator were, were responsible for the game plan and implementing play calling game day. And they worked with both. Now, I was at both sides of the football. What I meant, I didn't just encourage the offensive side. I encouraged both the offensive side and the defensive side. So when things were going on in practice, I would, the offense made a great play. I commented on them. Then I'd go over to the defensive player if I needed to and make a comment to him. So I worked that way. I was in control of the entire game during the game. When, it was, when the offense had the ball, I was listening to the play calling. And if, I, if there was a play that was uh, coming up that I didn't like, I'd check off. I'd say, no, let's don't do that. I don't want to do that down here. Or I'd tell the coordinator in advance that, hey, I want to get a touchdown out of this. We're not going to kick a field goal. So run those type of plays or whatever. And on the defensive side, I'd say, I don't want to blitz. I don't want to take a chance here on this situation. Just play safe. Or I'd say, go after him. We can't stop him. Start going after him. Play man, go after him. And the guy would follow what I was going to say. So that's the way I coach. Because I felt that I could give someone full-time authority on putting the game plan together. Of course, I'd always check and, and know what they were doing. Because as a head coach, you're required to be at so many things press conferences and luncheons and speaking engagements and so on 
that I was always there in the evenings with my staff and during the day and so on. But during the day, basically, the team meetings and position meetings and so on were all done by the coordinators and then the whole staff meetings be, uh, before practice and after practice. Of course, I would handle with the team and give them a breakdown of what I thought we accomplished today. And, of course, there's days when we didn't accomplish things, and I had to do certain things to motivate my coaches as well as my players. So uh, I think it's what you do best. I, I found that I could not coach the offense or defense and give the necessary time to the other things that I had to do and be a coordinator. I would think that one of them would hurt uh, because I couldn't give it enough time. All right. Makes sense, Coach. Uh, all right. Well, I know we kept you a little long. I'm sorry about that. But it was we had our big blockbuster show last week, the 100th, and we had everything kind of happen. So kind of a settling down week here in the Peristyle Podcast. 101 now we're in the the triple digits and uh you know it'll be an interesting couple of weeks of course till signing day and then we'll have some fun times in the off season to talk all about usc football but thanks again coach for joining us and we'll uh, talk to you next week ryan again thank you very much and uh, let's thank southern california ticket service too sctickets.com thank you guys for sponsoring this segment again podcast at uscfootball.com if you want to drop us an email questions comments anything like that back in 30 seconds talking with dan wykey Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined by uscfootball.com beat writer, Dan Wykey. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm good. What's up with this rain, man? I don't know you're out. Whatever rains out here, you're out in the elements, and it's it's bad. Dude, there was tornadoes in Southern California. Like boats got thrown around, a car got flipped on its side. It was pretty crazy. One of the one of my favorite tweets I've seen in the last uh, 24 hours was from Bryce Butler blaming Kyle Prater for bringing inclement weather with him to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Prater is on campus right now. The uh, five-star receiver. Uh, from from your neck of the woods, Chicago, Illinois area, is out here enrolled now. We're going to talk a little bit of recruiting later on. We are, we're not going to talk recruiting with Gerard Martinez, and the reason is today is Gerard's 30th birthday. So we want to wish Gerard a very happy 30th. We will we'll try to talk recruiting in his absence a little bit. But, Dan, you want to give uh, Gerard any birthday wishes? Um, I'd prefer not to. No, <laughs> of course I do, Gerard. A very happy birthday. Um, for I mean, people who might not be on the site or just listen to the podcast, Gerard works very, very hard. And in my in my opinion, he's more on top of this recruiting thing than just about anybody else out there. And, uh, you know, it's always like anytime there's a rumor out there, he works hard to either confirm or debunk, debunk it. And, um, yeah, I, he's awesome. I enjoy working with him. Certainly. Make me look smart sometimes. Sure, and that's not easy to do. Everyone else out there knows that. Uh, we'll, we're talk about the team, we'll talk about the team stuff a little bit first. We got to talk with uh, Harvey Hyde in the first segment uh, a lot of about a lot of stuff that was going on. One of the, the recent stories, and you've got to work with Coach Orgeron before. I, I'm a big fan of his. I like him a lot. And uh, There's been some controversy about him and the, the contacts he made with recruits. There's nothing really kind of finalized yet. Tennessee says they're looking into it. What did you make of that whole situation? You know, um, I, I think it was interesting because on the, the doors um, heading into Heritage Hall are um, flyers about the dead period. And, um, you know, this fell under the the timetable of the dead period. And, and the dead period, it, it's sort of a misnomer because it, it doesn't mean that there's no contact. Um, it is permissible to contact people who are already enrolled, people who have already signed letters of intent. You can contact them. So those people that were there to go to class the next day, you're, you're allowed to contact them. Um, and you're also allowed to contact a, a recruit one time, um, I believe per day or was it per week? There's, there's some rule like that where, I mean, so you can't still contact people. 
So my understanding of the situation is that, you know, Coach O got some phone calls from some parents saying things like, you know, you told us you would be at Tennessee. Why are you leaving? You know, what are our son's options? That's, this is why we came to Tennessee. Oh, this is why we were going to come to Tennessee. And, you know, Orchon made those calls. The unfortunate part of it was timing in terms of, at that time, it appears that Lane Kiffin was having his team meeting. Um, and, you know, some of the conversations were played on speakerphones, supposedly, and, and some people got to hear some things that made everybody else upset. And it made it sound like, you know, Coach O was poaching players. But um, listening to him, and, and I believe him, um, you know, I don't think that was his intention. Um, mostly because, I don't know, why do they need to poach a lot of players from Tennessee? I mean, I think USC has as talented of a roster, had a very talented recruiting class on board. It, it just seemed to me like that was an unnecessary risk why you would, you know, want to bring a bunch of guys that, you know, might not be of similar talent levels. Yeah, I touched on this in my column a little bit this week, and uh, it's it's not like USC was trying to grab the entire Tennessee recruiting class, and there's not good, you know, there's a couple guys that had interest in both schools or whatever, but that that's really not, you know, what, what USC was going after. I mean, if they were trying to get all those players, I think that'd be one thing. But don't expect a bunch of the Tennessee commits to switch sides and switch sides and go uh, over to USC. But I, I think the main thing is the education part of it. And, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know what Coach O was trying to intend. But there's there's a real issue there where if those players actually went to class, even though they're on campus now, if they went to class now with this new information that the staff that they signed with wasn't going to be there, they are stuck there, and if they want to transfer out, they're going to sit out a year. So I think, I mean, the message trying to be, you know, you want it to be more of a informational message where you're saying, hey, you're in a really weird spot here. I mean, you're supposed to go to class tomorrow. The coaching staff has left or is leaving in the process of leaving right now. You don't have really any time. I mean, the timing sucks, but there's no really other way to do this. We need to tell you what's going on. If you want to open up your commitment and you want to, not that you want to come to USC, but if you want to just look at other schools or you want to wait and see what new staff comes in, you can still enroll early and participate in spring ball, but you won't, you won't have a choice if you go to class tomorrow. So if you wait a week or whatever and find out what happens in their coaching search, then you can decide, okay, I like this guy. I'm going to enroll, you know, I'll go to class now and enroll, or I'll wait and see what happens. It's just giving these guys some options. Yeah, and then and then the you know the the one part of the nugget that kind of came out was that you know Orgeron was offering these players scholarships to USC, which even if he was doing that, that could have just been out of loyalty um, to the players in terms of you know you know we like you I, and just to let you know I mean you have a spot with us if you want. That's another thing too. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but you know obviously we, um, these guys are are no strangers to controversy to criticism. Um, they're kind of lightning rods on this. I mean, you touched on that in your column. It, it's sort of like, you know, one of the things that I thought was one of the brilliant message board posts, um, post Kiffin was, you know, if we weren't the most hated school in the universe, in the country before we are now. <laughs> and, and I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's probably true. And I think that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to be the bad guy. You know, I mean, ask, you know, ask Miami. During their biggest run of success, you know, they were certainly the bad guy. And that's not necessarily a bad spot to be. Controversy, obviously, is not always a bad thing. I mean, look at Lane Kiffin last year. I mean, he had to kind of stir some things up to get Tennessee back on the, back on the front page, back on, you know, ESPN and SportsCenter and stuff like that. And he did it, and, you know, it, 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 he got a really good recruiting classes out of it. I mean, it worked. So, I don't know. I just think it's going to be fun, to be honest. Sure, yeah. And it's going to be interesting, and it's going to, you know, there are going to be these stories that pop up about, you know, crazy stuff that Coach O is doing. You know, maybe Lane will say something crazy every once in a while too. I mean, I would bet on that. And, um, you know, it'll be it'll be it'll be on the Pac-10 and, and the rest of the college football world to kind of respond to that. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be great. I mean, you saw New Heisel kind of take a shot. Um, during the USC UCLA game at halftime, um, and, and that's fine. I think that's wonderful. You know, he should fire away, and, and you know, now it'll be on Kiffin to respond, which I'm sure he will at some point in time. And then, you know, when those two teams meet next year, 
the game's going to even have more importance. I, I got the feeling that Kiffin's trying to not fire those shots over the bow like he had to do at Tennessee. And he said as much during his press conference that he doesn't really need to mm-hmm. do that here. Um, he'll let the play speak. And I think his first job is going to be to show the world he means business by getting this recruiting class in order. And I think he's done a really good job so far. There was guys that were on the fence. He seemed to pull them back in. And it'll it'll be what he does over the next two weeks leading up until signing day. Which guys he hired, I mean, not he hired, which guys he is able to sign. Is he able to get a Sean Terrell Henderson, the top offensive lineman in the country? I mean, is he able to get guys like that to come into the program and kind of make people happy? Is he able to put together some semblance of a linebacker class, which USC is in dire need of. If he's able to do that and bring in some of those guys, I think that's the first, you know, shot that without saying words, he's saying, look, Pete Carroll was an awesome recruiter. I'm going to continue that tradition. And then it'll be up to next fall when, you know, Pete Carroll won games. If he's able to show that he's able to win games as well. You know, I mean, even at this point, let's just, I mean, obviously the linebacker thing is an issue, but let's just assume they sign nobody else. From a skill position standpoint, this is probably their best class in how many years? I mean, in terms of receivers and running backs, I mean, they have some in tight ends. They have some uber-talented guys on board, guys that are saying, you know, that are either going to enroll, um, that have enrolled, or that are 100% solid in that commitment. I mean, it's pretty, pretty remarkable that they've been able to kind of keep that core of guys together. And now, yeah, now you've got these, you know, you can make your final push at your need, at your need spots. You know, you're going to be calling, you know, Chantrell Henderson. You know, you're going to be calling Christian Jones and Chaz Green and, and, and really working those guys. And, you know, if you land one of those three guys or two of them, I mean, we're talking about, you know, a class that whether it ends up at the top of the, you know, the rivals rankings or not, you're talking about a great class in terms of, I mean, just excitement and buzz. And the fact that you're able to bring in so many playmakers on offense is, is, I mean, and then you consider the fact that when Lane was at USC, I mean, that offense was still scoring a ton of points. And now you add guys like Robert Woods, Kyle Prater, Dylan Baxter. Yeah, I think uh, Matt Barkley's got to be pretty happy with the guys that are coming in. Yeah, he is. I've talked to him about it. He's, He's ecstatic. I mean, and that's not to say he didn't feel like he had weapons last year because obviously he did. But, you know, I mean, you're just you're replenishing at need spots. I mean, receiver was a spot where you had, um, you know, a really, really good player in Damian Williams, maybe a great receiver. And then you had some good guys. You know, I mean, Rojo was good last year. Bryce Butler at times was good um, when, he, when he got the chance. But those guys weren't, weren't on Damian Williams' level. Uh, and, you know, that's not to say that they won't get there because I think they can. Um, you know, I think Rojo can have a great year, and I think Bryce Butler can have a great year. But then you start to supplement those guys with, with these young players with just super high ceilings, guys like Robert Woods and, and Prater. And, you know, if Dylan Baxter ends up a running back or on the slot, who knows? I mean, it, it really, those, those are three guys that it seems like as they're right now could come in and, and play almost right away. No, I agree with you. There's, and I think these guys coming in, too, part of the reason they're coming to USC is because of Matt Barkley. And I think they're, they're – I don't think you can underestimate that because there can be a certain connection there where you get a guy like a Kyle Prater who comes all the way across the country. I mean, part of the reason he's coming is he sees a, the, a bright future for a young quarterback that he can spend his whole career with pretty much at USC. And I think that, you know, you can create a, a bond there between players like that. And I think Barkley can almost look at this class and say, it's almost like these are his guys, you know, even though they weren't part of his class. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. And I think that, you know, that's one thing that Barkley is really good at is, you know, sort of that, that forming those bonds and stuff like that. Cause that was one of the more under things he did last year was he won that locker room over. And there were guys earlier in the year that, that thought Aaron Corp got screwed. They thought Mitch Mustaine got screwed. And, and by the end of the year, I don't think anybody thought that those two guys should have been playing. Nobody I talked to thought that, um, you know, from, from young guys to, you know, the six year seniors, you know, those guys all stuck with Barkley, and, I mean, that's a testament to his personality, the way he handled himself in the huddle and the locker room and, and all of those things. So, I mean, the future is very bright for him. And now, you know, you talk about you have these other pieces that he can grow with and, and form those special bonds with. You know, I think the, the, the ceiling for the offense right now is incredibly high. 
No, it certainly is. And uh, that uh, this is basically Lane Carroll putting his stamp on. I mean, Lane Carroll. Oh, my God. I said Pete Carroll before. Nice. I said Lane, Lane Carroll. Awesome. Lane Kiffin. Uh, you know, I still write 2009 on my checks. So it's, uh, that usually happens till about March. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you there. But, you know, this is Lane Kiffin's stamp on the program so far. The The first part was getting these guys to stay committed. And they had a big group of commits that came in over this past weekend, officially and unofficially. Guys like, you know, DJ Morgan, Randall Telfer, Robert Woods came in, Dion Bailey, Jesse Scroggins, um, George Uko came in officially, Anthony Brown, Demetrius Wright, uh, Grimble, Xavier Grimble. ton of recruited guys that were in. And I think that was an important weekend for USC fans just because they needed to meet Lane Kiffin or Lane Carroll, either one. You, could, you want to meet Lane Kiffin, Monty Kiffin, Ed Ordron, some of the guys that are still on the staff. Just uh, talk to them and, and, and see, you know, a lot of the guys we talked to, you know, we talked to DJ Morgan. He wanted to know, hey, does this staff still want me? I mean, that, that he, you know, hurt his knee. He didn't get to play uh, for the last part of the season. He wasn't playing in the Army All-American game. Yeah, he didn't know. Is Lane Kiffin going to say, oh, we don't really want to recruit you anymore, even though you've been committed for a long time? I mean, they all needed some kind of reassurance from this staff. And uh, to a man, it seemed like the, everybody got it. You know, I mean, the, Cal Prater, when he got it, now he's gonna he's enrolled right now. Uh, Dylan Baxter, same thing. Uh, he announced on TV yesterday that, you know, he's going to enroll at USC. Uh, Anthony Brown looks like he will as well. He just needs uh, some SAT stuff to come through, but the guys that were pretty much to a man, there was uh, one guy, you know, shop the, the JC lineman that, that did not, but um, he had some great issues as well. We weren't, wasn't really sure he was going to be able to get in or anything, but the guys that USC wanted and the guys that are important to this board are, are coming in. And uh, that's, I think the first big step for, for Lane Kiffin. It seems like so far he's off to a good start with the, even with the incomplete staff that he has right now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think that was priority number one, and now here comes priority number two is, okay, now now that you've got these guys, the guys that were here, um, the high-profile guys, the guys that you want locked in, now you start to go get your guys. And now you, now you start to go after the the guys that you think this team needs. And, you know, that's going to be guys at linebacker. It seems like they're throwing out a lot of secondary offers, like corner and safety, some defensive line guys, which is no surprise, um, considering at Orgeron and you know, I mean, it, it looks like they're going to try to sign a full class, um, you know, at least get there or get close to it. I mean, with the way that the offers are flying off the table right now, I mean, it, it's exciting, you know. It, I think this class is going to look dramatically different than people thought it was, um, you know, maybe four months ago, but not for bad reasons. I mean, you're going to see. I mean, you still get those cornerstone guys like Prater, Woods, and Baxter, you know, those five-star guys. And now you start to add in these other kind of mystery guys that start to come off the radar. And, you know, don't think that, you know, Orgeron's ties in the stop are going to help. Um, Kiffin, even being down there for a year, is going to help. And then another thing, too, that I, I think kind of gets lost in this is that, you know, Kiffin's a young guy. That, I mean, that's, that, that's not a bad thing when it comes to this, you know. I mean, that was one of Pete Carroll's charms was that even though he wasn't, uh, you know, young in years, he acted like he was, like, 18. And I think that's going to be something that, I mean, is going to help USC on the recruiting trail is the fact that Lane Kiffin is, he's 34. I mean, if if you just had to bet who was going to do a better job relating to players um, on, on a personal, you know, one-to-one level right now, and if you were going to say either Lane Kiffin or I don't want to say Joe Paterno, because that's, <laughs> like the polar, that's like the polar opposite, but a guy like Ralph Regent, you know? Yeah, who, you, who do you think would do it? Yeah, I mean, you got to go with the younger guy. And I think that people people uh, talked about that, even like Mike Williams and guys that he recruited when he was here at USC before talked about that. I mean, he was being a younger guy. He was able to relate to guys. But I think he was still he still had enough respect that it wasn't just like a buddy. But he was a coach, but he, he was able to relate with players. And I think that's going to be one of his strengths now that he's at USC as the head coach. I mean, you see that footage of him, you know, jumping up and down on the sideline in Tennessee where he knocks a guy over and – I mean, he's just going nuts and stuff like that. I mean, that's very Lane Carroll of him. Yeah. <laughs> I got to even it's funny. It's almost like I think Kiffin and uh, Carroll did almost the same thing. Uh, I can't remember who it was at the bowl game, but Carroll was excited about a play and he, he pushed somebody like as a, you know, as a, you know, it was just an act of 
exuberance, you know. And I got an email like it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't a Jim Levitt push. No, no, it wasn't a with a poker to the face or anything. Do you remember who? Uh, who we, I don't know if you saw it on the broadcast, but who he pushed. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. And I got some emails about it. Like, is Pete Carroll hitting people? I'm like, no, no, he was excited. It was fun. You know, it was kind of fun. And you saw the same thing with Lane Kiffin. He did that too. I think it was Crompton on the sidelines, like going off. And, and he knocks him over. Yeah. Too. That's a great <laughs> clip. I love that clip. So that was very Lane Carroll of him. I like that. That's good. Uh, but some of the, the <laughs> I, I think some of the criticism for, I mean, the, the, the concern, at least with the USC fans who follow this very, very carefully because recruiting is that important and and you know we try to cater to that and we put up as many recruiting stories as we possibly can especially the signing day's time uh linebackers of course uh people put a lot of you know thought that ronald powell could play outside linebacker for usc it looks like he's 100 percent committed to florida but i'm sure orgeron is still gonna you know do his try to do some magic there but that does look like it seems a little too late but christian jones is another four star i mean a five-star guy out of Florida, outside linebacker uh, from Winter Park, Florida, that I think USC fans are excited about. Some people erroneously reported he was visiting this past weekend. That's not true. It looks like he will come in to visit USC this weekend. So that could be a huge get. If they're able to get kind of a last-minute guy like that, uh, five-star linebacker. And then, you know, other names out there, Josh Shirley from Fontana or Hayes Pullard from Crenshaw, a place that USC's had a hard time getting guys out of sometimes. Um, you know, a bunch of different names out there for potential linebackers. And USC can't strike out. I mean, that's going to be a key for this class because. I think know. they need two. I think they need two of those three just to bolster. I mean, you know, I think we kind of agreed that one of Kavango wasn't probably going to play at USC. It just didn't seem like it. No, no. It didn't, not next year. Yeah, he wasn't really. No, it was. he just wasn't there almost. You know, and so, I mean, that's almost like losing. I mean, that you're losing a guy. You're losing a body and a group that was already, you know, razor thin. So now, now you, I mean, you have to add these bodies. You don't want to keep recruiting defensive ends and having to move them. Now, Devon Kennard did a, a really good job, and, it, it, you know, it, it seems like he's got a real chance to stay at strong side linebacker. Um, Jarvis Jones is a guy that, you know, who knows what he's going to be able to do. He had, you know, that injury. Um, but it sounds like from talking to him that he expects to be back. Um, th- those are two guys, that, I mean, that, that are going to help. But but you do need more bodies. And that's why I think you need to get two of those guys. Two, two of that combination of three just to help build numbers and, and, and to not have it be the super glaring need every year where, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, if you don't get a linebacker, you know, you're screwed. And that's, I don't think you want to be in that position. So. No, and, and, and losing Frankie Telford obviously was a big deal. And just, and I, Gerard likes to point this out. Frankie Telford was the the linebacker. Randall Telfer is the tight end. So Randall Telfer will be coming in in 2010. Telford came in last year, but obviously with the heart condition, he wasn't able to play. That was a big loss. But I think what did help out was Devon Kennard moving over. I think that was a big deal. And he played well enough that it seems like that they're a little more solid there. They got some depth there now with Mike Morgan and Devon Kennard. Yeah. I mean, and who knows, maybe even a guy like James Boyd who hasn't found a home yet at a position. I mean, physically looks like he can maybe play linebacker. I don't know about his speed and if he's ever even played the position before, but I mean, that's a body that can be moved around and as somebody who could maybe come in and, and, and add depth too. And, you know, the one thing that's encouraging about the linebackers is, is really the way that Malcolm Smith finished the year um, as probably USC's best linebacker um, by far, really, um, over the over the course of the last month of the season, a month's worth of games, you know. And, and he really he really came out strong once he got 100% healthy and was just flying to the ball. He's got great athleticism. He's, he's got really good ball skills. I mean, he's going to be an important guy, too. He'll be a leader in that group next year for sure. No, I agree with you. He's been a stud. And how, how the linebackers are going to play differently under Monty Kiffin. I mean, I think Pete Carroll took some criticism that they weren't as attacking of a defense as they were, uh, you know, when he, you know, his first several years at USC. And obviously losing the kind of talent they lost, two Pro Bowl linebackers that were rookies in the NFL. I mean, ridiculous off of that team. You're going to sell, you know, four starting linebackers from that team and, uh, and two of them are going to go to the and Pro the be- Bowl. And the best, and the best, and the best guy was Maluga. Yeah, 
he's, he's not in the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you, you lost a ton at that at that spot. You lost a ton. And, I mean, Carroll's and, not a – oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying that you lost a lot of talent, and for sure. But I think Pete Carroll kind of relied on that individual talent as opposed to the kind of schemes and stuff where he put people in positions. I think he almost relied on those guys to make their own plays. And it'll be, I think, a little bit different now. It's going to be tweaked a little with Monty Kiffin. You might see a little more aggressiveness. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But we'll, it'll be interesting to watch how he uses some of those linebackers, especially the younger guys that don't have as much experience. If he trusts them a little more, how he uses them more aggressively. We'll see if, if it's more read and react or just kind of attacking. You know, and I think that's something. I mean, you, Carol, Carol wasn't a fool. I mean, he knew what he had, um, and he said things publicly that I don't think he necessarily believed, whether it was about Matt Barkley, whether it was about the linebackers in terms of kind of there not being a drop-off, letting that, those guys just go out and do, you know, whatever. I mean, those guys were reined in because, you know, he didn't trust them, um, and, and, you know, probably at times for a good reason. So, and I think you did see that that group get worn down over the course of the year, too. That was another thing, too. So a guy like Chris Gallipo played a ton last year, a lot lots, more than they thought he was going to play. Lots of minutes. You know? No, it's true. And well, then one, I'm sorry, what was that? No, lots of minutes for Gallipo, man. He was, after being injured and all that stuff, where people wondered if he could get on the field, he never left the field. Yeah, I mean, because he was, he was a guy that was supposed to be, you know, backed up by, you know, Jarvis Jones and potentially um, Luther Brown were going to be guys that were going to help him in the middle. And, you know, Luther Brown played like two games. And Jarvis Jones never really materialized as an option in the middle. And so it was, I mean, he played a ton. He was forced to, you know, I mean, almost every time that they were in their base defense and because they didn't blow a ton of teams out, I mean, he had to play a ton of football. And I think you saw that, you know, as as the year wore on, maybe his effectiveness slipped. Maybe now, you know, after getting another full off season, if he stays healthy, which hopefully he's put those injury things behind him. You know, I think he'll be a better player, too. Yeah, and then one last thing, Dan, before we go, just uh, on the offensive lineman side, you talked about Barkley's got to be extremely pleased with some of the guys they're bringing in, but not a lot of beef there. You got, uh, you know, Big Dak Smith that's already committed to USC, but some some big names on their, on their board as far as offensive linemen and with the offensive line coach position kind of still up in the air, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting to watch coming down to the final two weeks, what goes on there. But Santrell Henderson, the the top tackle, the top offensive lineman in the country. Uh, he's a top five player. I mean, he's high on USC's board. Chaz Green's another Rivals 100 guy. Giovanni DiPaolo's a Rivals 250 guy. A couple tackles and a guard there, but all have high interest uh, in USC. I mean, it'll be, I think they would love to get, you know, at least three or four guys in this class coming in on the offensive line. And uh, it'll be important. I mean, a lot of skilled guys out there, but you need the beef too. Yeah, you do. And, I mean, I think when you look at the offensive line too, you have to look at guys like, you know, um, obviously I'm not as familiar with, you know, what Giovanni DiPolo or DiPolo has done as a prep player. You know, I know, they, I know they like him. But I think, you know, you look at guys like a guy like Matt Khalil, a guy who didn't play, who was kind of forced into playing in the Emerald Bowl, who I thought had just a, a great game who looked really good and looked like he belonged on the field. I mean, he's a former five-star, I believe, um, a guy who redshirted and developed, and I think he's a guy ready to go in and play, you know, tomorrow. Um, Tyron Smith is going to be a better player um, he, because, you know, he's finally got that one full year of, of being out there and, and knowing exactly, you know, the way things go, and, and he's going to be a better player too. I mean, those are going to be – the, the, the tackle position is going to be really interesting to watch next year because it's going to be pretty much, you know, I mean, it, it sounds like Butch Lewis. Now this could all change because of, you know, a new coach. Um, but it, it, it at least on the surface seemed like Butch Lewis was going to stay inside at guard and uh, you were going to play Khalil and Smith at tackle. You know, that might change now. Um, you, you know, you wonder about a guy like Khaled Holmes. Is he, you know, is he finally ready to, to, to make an impact. I mean, he's a guy who certainly looks the part of just a big, nasty offensive lineman. And, and you know, he's a guy, I think, who, who could come in and do some good things. Zach Heber is still around. I mean, there, there's some talent there, but you're right. It's certainly thinner than, than it was a year ago when, you know, you're talking about a group that can maybe go nine deep on the offensive line. And I don't, that's not the case. I, that won't be the case this year. No, it certainly won't. So it's going to be important bringing some guys in because, you know, but the fact that USC was able to bring in good, 
line classes in previous years. I think that helps you talk about guys like Khalil, guys that were five-star guys that people kind of forget about. Now they're going to, it's going to be their time to shine. And if they can't step up, it's going to be a lot of problems for Matt Barkley. You can have all the skill guys in the world, but if you can't block, you're going to have some issues. Yeah, no, you choked me up on that. That was funny. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll let you go, Dan. And uh, maybe one last shout out to Gerard. Happy birthday, Gerard. Happy 30th. Yeah, happy birthday. Um, he, he looks like a man of, of much younger years. Certainly, he does. He's been uh, doing his yoga, getting in shape. So we, we wish him the best. Thank you for joining us, Dan, and thank you to everyone out there. This is the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. (laughs) 